dice have all been tucked away, but there's still more beer to drink. It's time for a postcast, wherein the players chat about role-playing, about podcasts, about private jokes, about this and or that. Okay, one more time there, Alerty. Test, motherfuckers. Great. Yeah, no, we're good, we're good, we're good. Uh, I'm recording now, too. Okay. Um, I don't want to be left out. We should probably talk about Dungeons and or Dragons. What's, um, David, other than this campaign, uh, what's your favorite campaign that you've ever played? Or, or adventure or module? Why do they call them modules, do you think? That's a separate question. That's a really tricky one. I, I, I don't have an immediate answer to that. Hmm. I... I I just enjoy the activity of playing the game. Oh. <laughs> I like everything that goes into it. Then you also don't have a least favorite? Least favorite. Probably the least favorite would be that uh, 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 Call of Cthulhu one we did when we were young because I knew so little about it going in. I never even found that. I, I never even had my feet on the ground for what the, the story was supposed to be about and how we were supposed to play. Mm-hmm. No fault of Call of Cthulhu. I don't really remember call, playing Call of Cthulhu as a kid at all. I thought it was you who took us through it. Uh, well, there was, um, uh, we were in the 1920s, of course, uh, and there was some kind of uh, tremors-like worm oh, yeah. uh, underneath the building. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. as soon as it appeared, I had to roll dice to see if I would go insane. And I remember feeling like that was really unfair and dumb. Why do I have to roll a die to see if I'm going insane? <laughs> Whereas you now understand that that is the core mechanic of Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, nobody went insane in Tremors. They just went, yeehaw, and started shooting at it. Yeah. Why can't I do that? Yeah. Yeah. I see what you mean. Although I don't think Kevin Bacon has ever been quite the same since Tremors, so that's possibly some, true. Some damage, and there are some characters that start in that movie insane. Uh, Laird, did you ever play Call of Cthulhu? Never. No, that one time. Mm -hmm. In fact, I've never read any uh, Lovecraft other than mm -hmm. I've, I've seen, I've been troped to death with it. Yeah. Um, in pop culture and a lot of the video games I play and stuff like that, but that's that's the extent of my knowledge about all that stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I can't tell if you'd enjoy it. Um, it it definitely has a different pace, pace and mood from D and D, and as David said, a big part of it is going mad and probably dying. Right. Like it's not. I assume that like is it one of those games that when you've gone mad, that's just you just give your character away kind of thing. Is that kind of how it goes, or do you just act funny for the rest of the game with some within some sort of boundaries? Hmm. I don't remember. Yeah, I'm pretty drives uh, uh, some compulsive behaviors basically that are like a bit of a handicap for you in, right. in the game. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think there must be tiers to it. I was playing a Palladium game called Rifts way back in the day, and I think it's the ninjas and super spies people and the. Um, uh, and I remember I thought I might be wrong with this, but if your character ends up going insane, there is a point where you just hand over your character sheet. Yeah, you just cannot make any decisions for your character anymore, kind of thing. It's similar to death in that that respect. Your character still exists in the world if, if yeah. the DM allows it, kind of thing. But um, and I remember thinking that that's sorry. Death is kind of can be fun. Your character <laughs> going into insane kind of seems like not fun. I don't know. Maybe 
it depends if maybe I guess the DM makes him a recurring villain or something might be fun, but right. The... If it gives you interesting role play opportunities, mm-hmm. that's great. If it's just seizing control of your character so you're not allowed to play anymore, that's not fun. Yeah, I'd rather just die at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's that's a form of psychological horror that one seldom inflicts on one's players, and only for very short spans of time, as in, all right, you've been dominated. So now for the next five rounds, I get to push mm. you around. And there's also like the confusion mechanic in D&D where you roll a little, it's only a, what is maybe four or six different actions you can end yeah. up being. Yeah, I think it's a percentile, four different actions, and one of them is act normally. Yeah, so, it, and it, I think that's the largest one. It's like a 40% of that or yeah. whatever. But, um, but that's very temporary. Those are always very temporary. And yeah. it doesn't really represent madness or anything like that, I mm-hmm. don't think. Just uh, well, more video gamey than... Let's look it up. In previous editions of D&D, uh, there was a spell, a high-level spell, called Insanity. And I think it imposed the confusion condition permanently. <laughs> um, which would be hell to play. It doesn't seem to come up in 5th ed. Yeah, if you were, well, if you were permanently subject to the confusion effect, then nobody would want to play with you because twenty-five percent of the time you'd attack them, right, or do nothing, or babble in a corner, right? Yeah. But sorry, the in from a strictly mechanical point of view, curing confusion I don't think is a is very challenging. Like it's something that any level player character could probably. Yeah, his party could figure it out for him, get him a potion or a, to a priest or something, right? Yeah. So I don't think that would be crippling, unless you made it like uncurable somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm looking at the insanity spell. Of course, uh, this is theatrical insanity. It has nothing to do with uh, with uh, uh, genuine mental illness. Anything to do with psychiatry? Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, they all seem to be aimed at things that you'll do that will disrupt gameplay. Mm-hmm. So. This character experiences an overpowering urge to eat something strange. <laughs> or experiences vivid hallucinations and has disadvantage on ability checks. So they're definitely applying it to mm. ac- um, things that will get in your way during combat or normal gameplay. By giving you pica. <laughs> disadvantage on ability checks is a pretty serious handicap, but it still, still leaves you in charge of your character. Yeah, It does, too. Character begins babbling and is incapable of normal speech or spell casting. Yeah. These these are these would be fun to play mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for a while. Yeah, it'd be something as long as it's you know eventually yeah. you get into combat and you cure it or. Yeah. But if your character just had that saddled on them like a flaw, that would be a nightmare. <laughs> that would be impossible to have fun. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I guess certain players might enjoy that sort of thing. Yeah, I think Call of Cthulhu, from what I can remember, I don't have the rules in front of me, but I think that's similar in that you do impose those kinds of penalties as you're going insane. But probably once you get to, like, zero sanity points, yeah, you're done. Mm-hmm. You know, you're catatonic, yeah. so... I would I would say, but without any real evidence to back it up. Mm-hmm. Lair, did you have a favorite game? A favorite campaign? Um, well, before I met you guys, I was... I played a lot of different... I played tons of D&D, of course, and we had some great fun. But I was always the DM... Right, way back in the day. Oh, but I played um, Pendragon was really fun. It's a, it's a, I think it was Iron Crown Enterprises was the maker of it. 
it was you know King Arthur style role play mm-hmm. game. The system was really fun, and it had a lot to do with like getting married and and you know having a household and producing heirs to get your equipment so that when you die your uh-huh. your your lineage goes on to the next character and uh-huh. stuff like that. And it just it was really neat, and we played I don't know dozens and dozens of different games of that, and we always had fun with that system. Huh. Um, Sounds kind of domestic. A little bit. Well, I mean, there's lots of combat and lots of, oh, you know, okay. sword in the stone act, action and yeah. red caps and dragons and all that stuff. Mm. Um, but red, red caps are brutal in oh, Pen oh, Dragon. Yeah. yeah, they have a spear that does, like, ridiculous damage. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it was fun. And, uh, like I said, there was these... Your character couldn't level up except during winter phase. Winter phase was like, there was no adventuring during the winter in, mm. you know... Mm-hmm. <laughs> 1100s Britain or 1300s Britain or whatever it was. So <laughs> you were not to uh, leave your house. Yeah, so you had all kinds of winter activities that were different than your standard whatever mm-hmm. springtime activities. So there mm. were different phases to the game and all kinds of fun stuff. There was tournaments and then like you could win potentially lots of money at a tournament, like absurd sums of money that a, a regular noble mm. noble couldn't get because you um, if you captured like a king or something during a tournament. You ransom them off just like they were captured in real life. Was how the that used to work back then, I guess. Capture someone in a tournament. Yeah, there was all kinds okay. of like melees and and jousting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it was a really fun game. Um, yeah, it was a cool system, and uh, we played um, a lot of vampire, mage, werewolf, uh, mm-hmm. uh, white wolf game systems. We had a lot of fun. The system was kind of neat. I always thought you would enjoy that system because it's the system is boiled down to some pretty straightforward. You have this many dice, roll this many dice, you have this many successes, that allows you to do this. There's no bonuses, there's not a bunch of math. Um, <laughs> I see what you're saying. Yeah, you're an idiot. Um, but it was, uh, we had a lot of fun, but most of that stuff turned into, I don't know, backstabbing character drama. So I, <laughs> right. when it was fun, it was fun, but when it wasn't, it was unbelievable. Mm. It depends on who you're playing with. You're man. talking about Vampire now, yeah? Vampire, the Masquerade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those ones. What, yeah. What, or Werewolf the Apocalypse, I think, mm-hmm. Mage the Ascension. Um I would totally have played any of those if anyone had I know, I, invited me. To I can't it. believe when I met you that you hadn't played Vampire. That seems like that was <laughs> yeah, yeah, I meant for you. like Vampire. Not just the system, but just the whatever the the mythos and all that mm. stuff that goes along with that. Yeah, I've always wanted to as well. I just never found anyone to play with. Yeah. I played it once. Did you? Yep. That's mm. fun. Tell us what did what did who did you play? Where did you play? Did you play with Brent? Brent and Jason. Oh, losers. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea what the hell was happening or what was going on or who half the people were. Why was I supposed to be here? <laughs> right. Oh, were, you, were you coming in on... Under quotes, played. Were you coming in on someone else's game in progress? Or yeah, was it, yeah, yeah, it was really yeah, silly. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was ridiculous. Yeah, that's hard. So it does tend to be a lot of psychodrama in vampire games is my understanding. So. Yeah. It's really like, you don't, back, don't have to backstab each other, but the game system is kind of designed so that your character is always paranoid of every other character and mm. every other NPC. It's just the way it's built. And so you don't have to play that way, but it always makes sense for your character to yeah. be preservationist. Uh, self-preservationist. Whatever. Uh, anyway. But I had characters in that game that I still, well, not still, but up until a couple years ago, still played on, like, online message boards. Oh. Still going for decades after the actual games were being played. That that that's the kind of characters you built. Like those characters were with you forever. Mm-hmm. Um neat. Yeah, yeah. So those those I mean sorry, and I've had some really fun D and D games too, but you know, mm-hmm. since we're going out a little bit off uh, off mm-hmm. uh, off road here. That's yeah. 
You remember that um, the short session that we played at PaizoCon that was Pathfinder with vampire PCs? I do. I played, what was it? My, my other character was like Mama Lizetti or something. Remember I was like the zombie mistress? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were all, this was this was sort of a, David, a third party supplement to Pathfinder. I think it was the actual publishers that were DMing it for us that day, wasn't it? Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Some publishers out of the Northwest. And so... Uh, you could play, well, you did play vampires, but you could play a number of different types of vampire. And so I think my guy was the master enchanter, right? Mm -hmm. The mind control dude. And you had the zombie puppeteer and somebody else was just like a beast, just basically a yeah. huge hulking Nosferatu thing. And um, it was it was refreshingly different from all the impressions I've had of, uh, say, Vampire the Masquerade, because... <laughs> There was no psychodrama. We were just monsters, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Right from the get go. Yeah, we were played. We we were played as villains from the start. Like mm -hmm. there was no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We yeah. were we were some some disaster had struck the vampire community, and we were all staying in these sort of emergency coffins in the basement of some manner. You know, whatever. yeah, some some hideout, and and a human servant comes to awaken us. You know, so he's the human servant of the vampire lord of this particular comes to awaken us like oh my 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 friend my lords you've overslept and and the first thing one one other player does is like am i hungry yes all right i grab this guy and tear <laughs> his neck open and suck him dry like, whoa, whoa hey wait <laughs> don't kill the messenger but yeah. i'm hungry <laughs> and we were just uh, i remember that moment going Oh, that's what kind of game this is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it really was. Yeah. It was bloody. <laughs> yeah, we went, we went a little a little crazy. Yeah, those were good it's times. Like the classic problem of having an evil party. How do you keep the incentives aligned in D&D &D to right. the activities that D&D &D is all about? Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I think at one point towards the end, I actually did a timeout, you know, out of character, guys. I'm about to betray the rest of the party. Is anyone going to be, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, butthurt by that? No, of course not, obviously. All right, great. I, I'm going to start trying to set the room there in on fire. <laughs> Didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, uh, I recall that the system, or the, the sorry, the, the character mm -hmm. classes that they had for the vampire, or whatever the equipment mm -hmm. was, they weren't really well designed. Like, the, it seemed like the game still had some work to do to get... But I remember I enjoyed that. That yeah. was one of the most fun sessions we had at that uh, FaisoCon, I mm -hmm. remember. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Much yeah. more fun than that monster Favorites. tournament. <laughs> My favorite experience with Pathfinder was the fact that they have this older 10,000-year-old history and the ruins are still there yeah. uh, around you for you to explore. Uh, that concrete sense that there is a history behind the events happening around you that you don't you don't quite get access to but you can get glimpses of i found really compelling i'd not experienced that before in an rpg mm -hmm. uh, and it sucked me in like nothing else what rpg are you talking about sir pathfinder galarian oh i never yeah you know i never i never played like raw pathfinder um yeah you like did? no one like but i never got to do the i never was part of the pathfinder society i never no no yeah, i never read the main book you know what i mean like so i didn't get all the I basic history and all that stuff well yeah. we we played several adventure paths that were set in different parts yes, of galarian of course. but yeah. yeah david's talking about the world building that went on uh throughout the the time presumably they're still doing it um uh, and and very gradually peeling away layers and revealing you know oh maybe in the next adventure path we'll learn more about 
the Thessalonians and the ancient rune lords and uh, there's a there's a moon named after one of my characters in Pathfinder. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, there is. Uh, I, should, I keep meaning to tell them about that. <laughs> did you, did you, you wrote them that letter. I hope. <laughs> I'll, I'll pay for the notary. <laughs> please, please add the following moon to your campaign setting. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so I was just um, thinking when you were when you were talking about that, how you get like you, you don't know what happened in the world, and you're just part of this. You're piecing it together as you go along. That's um, that's got like that Dark Souls, Elden Ring kind of feel to it too. And that's what I was when you started talking about. That's what the first mm. thing I started thinking about was like, this world is fucked, and you don't know how it got fucked, but you're welcome to explore it <laughs> and figure out what went down. Yeah, yeah, I love those kinds of games. Yeah, the uh, Carrion Crown campaign has the threat of the return of the Whispering Tyrant. Mm. And I don't think I ever read up in great detail what the Whispering Tyrant's whole business was. But they they certainly know every detail about this guy. He actually does return in, I think, the last Adventure Path they did. That was one your buddy wrote, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, he wrote a, a chapter in it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Larry. Um, He's a cool guy. I like Larry. Yes, he is. Yeah, I should, uh, I should talk to him sometime. He's um, uh, he's from Alberta, uh, David. I think he lives in Calgary now, but he might be Edmonton, I forget. And um, he was the one that's kind of got me writing for Paizo. Um, I was in the second cup. I had a Pathfinder source book on the table in front of me. Uh, and he noticed it, and he's like, "Hey, do, do you like do you like Pathfinder?" And 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 revealed that he'd done a little bit of writing work for these guys, and and I was, oh, geez, I'd I'd kind of like to do that too. Um, yeah, he's a neat guy, but he's also a registered nurse in his real life, so he's probably been swallowed by COVID. And yeah, I'm sure he's he's you know, disappeared in the background. Maybe for maybe, maybe we'll never see him again. Larry Wilhelm, great guy. Yeah, I really loved that. Um, what do they what do they call those short adventures to introduce new players? Uh, oh, we played a bunch of them at PaizoCon. They're um, yeah, like one off adventure. You you take a level one character and you run they run you through these little uh, hour long scenarios. You, or you, you wrote one scenarios. of these the the, yeah. the 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 museum or the library one. Uh, yeah, well, that was an adventure, um, it's a, like a, Pathfinder a Pathfinder Society, Society adventure. adventure yeah. But they also have really short ones called quests. Oh, a scenario? Okay. No, it's a scenario. That's yeah. what they call them. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they were. Well, I, I remember really, really enjoying the uh, the library one. Yay! Uh, I, I have never experienced uh, an adventure that was that short. Yeah, uh, and it had the pleasure of a short story that's mm-hmm. really well crafted because mm-hmm. everything fits together. Yeah, it's all completed in, in one session, maybe two at the most, uh, but everything fits together in a really satisfying way. And hijinks happen in the middle. Mm-hmm. I uh, I really love that. Is that the one that's I love loaded with the fairy creatures? Uh, the Overflow Archives contains a good yeah. deal of fairies. Yes, yeah. they. Uh, that that was the first one I wrote for them, and uh, I think I wrote three more after that, maybe four. And a couple more of them, they kept coming back to me. He's the he's the fairy guy. He's the fae guy now. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Fuck you, Scott. Yeah, right. No, I uh, I really enjoyed writing those too, and I got to collaborate with Larry uh, on a two parter, uh, although it wasn't didn't turn out to be my best work, but uh, yeah. it was kind of cool. 
You got uh, anything you can say? Any person that can say they got published with a fucking mainstream role playing company's got something under their belt. Damn right. Yeah, you're. I'm a dirtbag compared to you. I'm garbage. I'm a garbage human. Well, you can still come into my wheelhouse. Spend some time there if you want. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate the offer. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Strawcast is produced by Slack and Slash Productions out of Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, also known as Unamagi, the unceded and ancestral territory of the Mi'kmaq people. It's based on The Curse of Strahd Revamped, published by Wizards of the Coast, as well as The Curse of Strahd Legendary Edition, published by Beetle and Grimms. But the participants are not affiliated with either company, and we do not seek to profit off this podcast. You can get in touch with us and find more of our podcasts at slackandslashpod.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. And you can subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, you name it. Be sure to leave a review if you like what we do. Till next time, be brave and shine bright. Shine bright.